the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. Market was not running on fumes. Yesterday, it looked like it was stalling out. Warren Buffett said something kind of bad about the markets over the weekend. Essentially talking about giving up on airlines. And that painted the open as kind of negative. Like, why didn't he say something more positive there? And he did. He talked about American capitalism and ingenuity. And this is still the best country to invest in, in his opinion. With that said, there's a lot going on out there today. The diplomatic tension between the United States and China is palpable. I can't use the word palpable in too many sentences except for when we talk about diplomatic tensions. Therefore, it must be serious. Uh, China's, China's doing some awesome propaganda. If you look for it, you'll, you'll find it. Where uh, they're like using Lego animation to show like, oh, America is just, we get everything we ever want. And oh, the COVID virus isn't coming to our country. We don't wear any of our masks. It was very, very, how shall we say, sarcastically cruel and maybe a little bit truthful. But there's tensions. Did China create the virus? Did China stockpile uh, healthcare supplies during the time that they had their outbreak, knowing that it was going to get worse and that the world would need those just as much? I don't know. Kurtz has reportedly hired a financial advisor for a bankruptcy filing. They're not the only ones. Norwegian Cruise Lines. Norwegian. Yeah, very, 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 you know, the Norwegians. The Norwegian Cruise Lines said there's substantial doubt about their ability to continue as a going concern. That's not good. L Brands had an acquirer, and they've pulled out due to current conditions. L Brands was going to go private with Sycamore Partners, and that's not going to happen at this point in time. Consumer debt hits a record $14.3 trillion in the quarter. Whoa. That's not good. But like Jeff Gunlock said, you know, a you got to criticize the, the Treasury letting us borrow $3 trillion. Like, why didn't they do that before? Why have they been collecting taxes? Why not just use the print money? And he's being sarcastic. So some of this you have to take into effect and go, oh, that's not a good number. So consumer debt, not good. $1.6 trillion higher than the record set in the middle of the financial crisis. We now sit at $14.3 trillion. It's weighing on people's backs. And a lot of it's mortgages, for sure. Credit card balances fell. Uh, people made a dent there. Uh, drop that helped offset non-housing balances increased $27 billion. Consumers have retrenched as of late. So spending 
the money on the credit cards. Consumer debt now $14.3 trillion. L Brands looks like they're going to pull out of their deal with Sycamore Partners. Uh, both of them, it's just not going to work in a market like this. I get that. I do. First quarter earnings are bad. Second quarter are going to be horrific. Third quarter, we don't know. But we did start getting, see, we are starting to see some things that are hopeful. Starbucks said yesterday that they have 99% of their locations open in China, and they plan to have 85% of their locations open again by the end of the week. Uh, albeit without dine-in service. Now, that's that's on the fringe good news. They're not going to sell as much. It's not like they're going to be selling coffee for twice as much. But stores that had no employees getting paid, I think Starbucks paid all their employees through that period of time, and then stores starting to get some transactions. Um, I still have a bagel place that I like to go to on weekends, and they do a great job of making people practice social distancing. So I would imagine to the point that maybe they're hurting a little bit. Maybe not. Bagel places kind of always been pick it up and go kind of places. Um, elsewhere out there, New York has released a plan for its phased reopening. That's good news, relatively speaking. Pfizer has started dosing their first U.S. patients for a COVID-19 vaccine. That's good news on the fringes. Oil prices are at $23. I remember when they are at $13 just a week ago. Yeah, that's exactly how it's been going, right? Did you move? Did you buy? What was your plan? Did you have a plan? Did you care? Do you not care? Do you understand why I'm talking this voice or not? Um, so oil is seen as a harbinger of a pickup in demand. And again, as companies like Starbucks reopen, we're going to consume more energy. Fire up the microwaves, you know, fire up the convection ovens. I'm not going to go over exports. The numbers are bad. Um, a lot of opportunity in the markets right now. Um, that's something I would continue to try to focus on. Cash on the sidelines right now could limit stocks sliding any lower. Will we take out, retake out March lows? I, I don't think so. But what it would take would be a really bad quarter that we didn't see coming. But I see it coming. But do others? Uh, meat shortages at Wendy's are starting to show us there's cracks in the system. There's pork manufacturing, for the lack of a better word. Uh, stores, businesses, factories where they slaughter cows, pigs, chickens. They're having COVID issues in the Midwest, and it makes kind of sense, you know. I don't know. To me, that just, if there's going to be a COVID outbreak, I'd be like, meat slaughtering places makes sense. But Wendy's is showing it. They're saying, you know, we don't have any fresh burgers to sell. Maybe they're trying to cut down on some losses. Maybe there, there's some tricks going on here, but I don't think so. America's beef supply um, it could be pretty robust. Like we can get food from Australia and other countries. So too early to like panic, but it is interesting to note that Wendy's is not selling burgers. Coronavirus is going to cause home price growth to slow to a crawl. Some people see anywhere between three and 10%. Your home has already lost that value. Maybe you missed a selling season. Maybe you missed the lower rates. Maybe you missed... People being, you know, more aggressive, and in the future, will we say, 
I don't know, honey, you just lost your job for a month that over that whole COVID thing. Maybe we shouldn't be buying a house right now. There could be a little bit of that going on. On a month-to-month basis, home prices increased 1.3% in March 2020. It'll be a big issue to see how home prices hold up when construction has been not shut down, but curbed. It's a supply and demand game in the end. That's part of it for sure. Unemployment claims have reached record highs as economic um, indicators and the environment just it's not really saying, hey, you just lost your job, go buy a house. Maybe some of the people who were close have to stay on the sidelines because of the job issues. Maybe because of the mortgage issues. Maybe because of the COVID issues. A lot going on right here, right now. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Virgin Atlantic said they're going to cut 3,000 jobs. And I already heard that during the commercial, American Airline Company said, you know, we're going to have job cuts in October. I know we just took that stimulus. And they said, don't fire anyone until September. And we are not going to fire them, but we're expecting to cut 30% of our pies. There is some shaving going on down the road that the economic data won't be able to like absorb as easily. But we're kind of getting to know it now. That's also a good thing. You can find me online at Rob Black Show and NewFocusFinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Netflix is projecting that their movie Extraction is going to be their biggest movie so far to date. 90 million households watched it in the first four weeks of release. Let's think of 90 million households, and let's say there's two people in a household. I can't do the math, but it sounds like that would have been a blockbuster in the movie theaters, right? Right, but it's not in the movie theaters. But they've just made a deal with Chris Hemsworth. I guess this is a spoiler alert. He must live at the end of the movie. He's going to be in the second movie, or it'll be a prequel. I don't know. I don't know. I should scratch everything. But, um, yeah, that's out there. 90 million households. That's. I almost want to say congratulations. And this time of news, good. Pfizer's got a leading vaccine candidate on its starting human trials. And they think it could be ready for the emergency use this fall. Um, one of the quotes out of the company was, I don't think this has ever happened in the history of modern vaccines. So it's basically being tested in real time. Very interesting. Facebook is reportedly working on, surprise, surprise, a new flagship, surprise, surprise, virtual reality headset to replace the Oculus Quest when will you be in? When will you say this is what I want? Does it not fit a little bit better into your world right now? We recently seen have seen Travis Scott do a concert for 28 million people around the world on a video game, Fortnite. How far into we're putting the headset on and also watching the concert, making it that much more real, making the game that much more real? Um, I feel yesterday I did a segment called The Day the Music Died, and I, I miss live music. For me, virtual reality would be about live events, seeing them in a very unique perspective. For you, it may be video games. You may want to go save the world from Martians. I don't know. 
But the $400 Oculus Quest has been one of Facebook's most successful virtual reality products, with critics and users alike praising its ease of use and technological prowess. I've got a friend who does the operating system for Oculus Quest. Pretty smart guy, and some of the stuff that he can show off is pretty impressive. Facebook bet $2 billion on the virtual reality back of a company called Oculus back in 2014. And um, it looks like they've got several versions of the quests in uh, queue, which reminds me to talk about 5G still coming, new Xbox, new PlayStation still coming, uh, 6G wireless standards for modems still coming. There's some positive stuff happening out there. Again, some of it does feel like it's on the margin. So we question, you know, how confident we should get. But I'm not, I still have very much so long-term confidence, medium-term as well. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Tesla has had a recent rally, even though Elon Musk said the stock was too high. That three-day rally could have netted him a $700, $700 million payout as part of a you-just-hit-a-peak-number kind of incentive bonus clause. And he was even trying to talk the market out of doing it, so to speak. Or was he? Uh, he is a nutcase. Some of his tweets last Friday, again, I'm not saying nutcase, don't sue me, I'm only kidding. Ha, ha, ha. But some of his, his tweets have gotten a little strange for me. Trump's favorite trade war scorecard plunged in March amidst a record slump in exports. March exports plunged to $187.7 billion, down 9.6%, down $20 billion from February. Um, not good when that's how you framed what you wanted, but we'll leave it at that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Home prices are still rising during a pandemic. The economy is shrinking. Businesses are closing. Jobs are disappearing. And yet, real estate prices keep chugging higher. A couple things going on. The median price of a home in the United States is $280,600. That's a little bit lower than it is around here. Demand absolutely just got a kick in the gut. But at the same time, so did supply. What's more right now is a lot of sellers have been reluctant to cut prices. Only about 4% of sellers cut their prices uh, in the week ending April 25. So watch the inventory if you're watching home prices. As inventory goes higher, buyers tend to cut prices a little bit more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If you've not seen a YouTube video. This is going to be your highlight of the day. If you kind of like this kind of stuff as nostalgically weird, but China's Lego video is a weird making fun of the United States and Europe and, and on pandemics and how their country is better than ours. It's called once upon a virus. I highly recommend you go to YouTube and watch it because it's propaganda. It's played on their news to show you how dumb Americans are. And I, I I don't know what to say other than I think that'll make your day. It's called Once Upon a Virus. Go to YouTube. You will find it there. Virgin Atlantic is saying they're going to cut 3,000 jobs to mitigate devastating coronavirus impact. Not all countries bail out their airlines, per se, and we're going to see the airlines get hit hard. The, re the, the fact that Warren Buffett got out 
completely of Delta and, and American. Um, it, it, it's really telling to me. It's really telling to me that we don't know when airline travel comes back. Um, until there's a big black swan event or a disruptive event, airlines kind of printing money, making billions of dollars to have your bags fly. You're like, my bags were flying for billions? We need to talk to someone about that. Um, yeah, they were they were printing money, and we didn't see, like, what's going to be the thing that takes them offline? Didn't see this one coming. Even though it's been in every movie in the last five years, apparently. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The U.S. services sector just posted its biggest contraction since 2009 as the coronavirus has halted economic activity. The data should get worse before it gets better. And yet the stock market continues to warble. Warble? Is that a word? Warble a little higher and higher. Uh, oil's rebounding, and that's certainly part of the story today. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So rumor has it, there's a guy up in the Pacific Northwest who's wandering the streets, shirtless, severely sunburned, with a big beard, torn pants. He's got a volleyball that he keeps screaming, Wilson at! Is that you, Chad Burton, CFP? I do have a pretty nice quarantine beard now. Do you? Longest I've ever had. Okay. Mine's long. It's just really, really, really gray. <laughs> so, How did you know I was shirtless right now? That's weird. Can you see me? Do I have the camera on? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyhow, uh, let's get back to serious business here. We've gone through a crazy month of March on the downside, a crazy month of April on the upside. This was referred to as the most hated recovery on Wall Street because we don't know what the earnings are going to look like and variable other issues that could happen. The pandemic could spread bigger. More people could die. There could be a longer shutdowns. There could be second shutdowns. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, retirement accounts at this point in time. That has to be the people who got hurt the hardest in our world, um, the people who were like one year away from retirement. And they were all in, and they had not diversified. Uh, what should retirement accounts be doing at this point in time? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've heard me since 1999, since we started doing radio together, always talk about three years worth of portfolio draws in cash because you never know when these things come, right? This is a virus and an oil war is a big cause of all this, and nobody was talking about that, you know, in the fourth quarter of 2019. And so, if somebody has you know, the three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and a balanced portfolio, they'll still be able to retire this year. They're just fine. But okay. if you didn't, you know, you're still down and you lack the ability to do a lot of, you know, reallocation right now because when the market's still down, you, you, you don't know if you want to become more conservative now. Maybe it's a little too late, right? I don't think it's ever too late to get allocated like you're supposed to be allocated for your goals and your risk tolerance. But it's a tough time for somebody that was like, I'll get to my portfolio later. I'll get to my portfolio later because they were going to retire at the end of this year. And now they don't know if they can. And they have to do, you know, redo all of their plan, look at their cash flow, look at their spending. Um, and again, I want to 
push that when, when you go through a market correction like this, and the, and the, the market's barely down for the year, Rob. I mean, in March, it was down huge, but right. now it's barely down for the year. Um, so it's not a huge correction at this point. But which, you know, which is interesting to know because it feels like one, but it's not. And then after last year's great year, we should have had lower expectations, but we don't. A lot of emotions, a lot of behavioral finance going on right now, don't you think? Yeah, and the one I like is I, I almost feel like this is an American spirit rally, right? Because we don't know what our earnings are going to look like. We don't know. Uh, it's a very consumer-driven economy, um, and I think a lot of demand for shopping will come back. More of it will be online, but there's a lot of restaurants that will just never reopen again, for example. Um, so it's, it's really interesting on, on how this is all going to play out. But it's really like, we're going to get through this, so let's rally right back up almost to where we were, assuming that this doesn't hit us again in the fall. Um, so we're all very positive that this will you know, go away, that we'll get eventually a vaccine, and you know, we'll get herd immunity, which, you know, that's debatable on, you know, go, go to Facebook and debate that if you want to, I guess. So, but um, it is a good, it's a good time that if you felt really, really bad because you're retiring soon in March, it, we've had a huge rally back. So don't waste time on making changes now to your portfolio on how you should be allocated for, you know, basically the rest of your life here if you're going into retirement. Okay. So what else are you working on right now? Uh, what else are you seeing in the, the stock markets and the economy? Um, what are the, some of the questions on your show that you're getting? Um, well, a lot of it is just, you know, what's the there, – there's, there's two questions, and that's how do you invest right now to make sure that you're investing in companies that can make it through another couple, couple of tough quarters? Because, for example, if you look at small cap, which I was already talking about last year, yeah. Small cap stocks have gone through a, the the longest period of time of underperforming large cap stocks. Typically, small cap stocks outperform, and we went through a period of time where it's all been going into large cap, large cap, large cap. And the value is even there more now, Rob, on the small cap side. But you have to be much more specific company wise because a lot of smaller companies, their you know their balance sheets aren't quite as strong as larger companies. And they don't have as access to as much credit if they need to. So while the value is there, you have to make sure that somebody's looking at actual balance sheets and income statements of these small cap companies saying that, okay, if this returns in the fall again, can we still continue to own this company and make it through a, a tough event? If so, these things are going to be extremely valuable five years from now. I always invest three to five years out. I don't care what happens in the next three to six months. I, I truly do not care. Um, do, do you care what happens but, in the next three to six months? <laughs> 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 nope, don't care. I put my head in the sand. Um, no, but it, I mean, the, so the issue is, is that a little bit more active management versus indexing on small cap international emerging markets because there's um, a lot of value there. Um, international emerging markets, especially through you know the correction in March, did not fall as much as the S and P 500 because they were already priced for a recession. Everybody already knew overseas was bad. So they didn't fall quite as much, but I also want to make sure that somebody's actually looking at the companies. So um, less indexing, more active management on the small cap side, especially. That's one of the things we're looking at. And then just again, like I was talking about, looking at your overall fixed income exposure, making sure that if you have a certain amount of bonds in your portfolio, it's not all in aggressive California tax-free munis. 
um, a retirement account, if you're going to have a majority of your bonds in your retirement account, you always want about 50 to 60% of your bonds that you're going to own in very core bond funds. That means high-quality, intermediate, corporate, you know, A-rated or above bonds, and then intermediate government bonds. So you have the corporate side and the government side. You want 50 to 60% of your money your bond money in that area, and then surround it. On one end, you're going to have a very short-term corporate bond fund, high quality, and a very short-term government bond fund. Uh, This is where I do use ETFs and bonds. I I typically like retail. I don't like retail bond funds. I like institutional no-load bond funds versus ETFs. And the volatility that occurred in ETFs in March is exactly why. Um, so on one end, I want these short-term corporate and short-term high-quality government bonds. And on the other end, surrounding my core positions, I want unconstrained bond funds and market neutral. So remember when we were having that, that uh, discussion, Rob, about inflation, potential inflation coming? Right. <clears throat> Not seen a lot of it yet, but... But yeah, I mean, we have, we have a supply chain disruption that companies never, ever want to go through again. That's true. Like, why would I want to get all my stuff out of China if they get hit with some other virus? So you're going to have diversification of supply chains. You're going to have a lot of supply chains coming back to the U.S., which means higher wages, which means higher costs being passed to consumer. At some point, we're going to see inflation because we haven't seen it for 10 years. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't want to spend with my six other CFPs. I don't want to spend three hours in a meeting discussing whether or not we have inflation, if we should invest in TIPS or Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. So I want a fund managed by a expert, a team of experts, knowing when to move from you know, intermediate high quality into high yield convertibles or inflation protected bonds. So I want, on the other end of that, an unconstrained bond fund that can move into different areas and adjust the allocation for me because I don't want to have to think about it. I think bond managers tend to be smarter than stock managers. It's a harder business. It's funny because I usually say the bond market's smarter than the stock market, but the stock market's better at guessing six months in the future. But that's neither here nor there. Um, changing topics. Let's talk annuities real quick. CFP, Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Um, Annuities get painted broadly. Some people love them. Some people hate them. What's your thoughts about using annuities? I think you should hate most of them, but there are some good ones out there because um, the the whole idea that you know the fee planning, the fiduciary style planning, where you're not working on commissions, there's no bias. That's becoming extremely pos- popular, and there's more and more laws passed to push advisors that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as a result, there's been a lot of no-load variable annuities that have come out and a couple of commission-free index annuities. So, what a, what a variable annuity is, is it allows you to take money. And typically, you only want to do annuities with your retirement accounts because of the way that they're taxed. Okay. And if, you, if you've heard Susie Orman in the past, she said something opposite, I believe. It's because she's not, you know, she hasn't actually done this. Um, so you have, you have retirement accounts that when, when you pull money out, it's 100% taxable. And on annuities, when you pull money out, the gains are 100% taxable. So they match. So you only want to do annuities with retirement accounts. And let's say you have a risk tolerance that's really low and it's, you know, you're only 55, you got 10 plus years to retire and it's causing you to put 60% in bonds. Well, it can allow you to take your bond money, put it into a variable annuity where it's a mix of stocks and bonds inside the sub-accounts, mm-hmm. 
but it has some sort of an income guarantee where your original investment grows at you know somewhere between four and five percent, and then when you hit retirement, you'll get to take somewhere between four to six percent of that, depending on your age, for the rest of your life. And and what that means is that if the the account ever goes to zero, the insurance company is still on the hook. It has to pay you. It's called a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. So as long as you're with a really safe insurance company and you're willing to take more principal risk up and down in exchange for income risk, that 4 to 5% range is, is almost double what you can get on munis right now. So there are some decent wow. no-load variable annuities. Now, they have higher fees. You're going ha- yep. to pay like 2% more a year in fees in exchange for this guaranteed income. We'll talk about this and much, much more in the future. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Grab his podcast, listen to his show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I super appreciate CFP Chad Burton joining me today. I've got a little bit of a scratchy voice that needs a little bit of work. Talking about COVID, talking about the CARES Act. It's a good hour. You can go grab it on a podcast at iTunes. Look for Rob Black and your money. You can also find CFP Chad Burton there as well. When we last left off, Mr. Burton, we were talking about annuities. and uh, Some of the annuities that get pushed on radio and television concern me because they're high cost, high fees. They're not appropriate for most of America. Um, the commission, the salesperson's getting the money. I don't want to be cynical about it um, because you've said that there's some that are okay. Do you like the index to annuities? What are your thoughts? There's uh, two different ones that have uh, that that I've liked in the past, okay. um, and I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that. But um, one company came out with a commission-free version of an indexed annuity. In other words, it does not pay an advisor. Well, let's not call them advisors. Let's call them what they are, and that's sales based commission insurance agents. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love my insurance agent, but when it comes to life insurance, yes, or property and casualty, yes, but when it comes to in any kind of investments at all, commissions are not a good idea. So when a commission-free index annuity came out, it means it's more money in the pocket of the consumer. And what it what an indexed annuity is, is the, the plain vanilla versions of them, they're t- typically about five years long, and you go into it and it says, okay, you're going to get a certain percentage of the movement of the S&P 500 over a 12-month period. And so if you start off today and you look out 12 months and the S&P 500 is up 8%, you might get like 45 5% of that movement. There's no dividends at all. So it's purely the price movement. So it kind of creates the space between stocks and bonds because you don't get 100% of the stock movement because it's a capped movement. Again, if the market only goes, if the market goes up 8, 10, 12, 20%, you might only get 45 okay. 5%. Um, but if the market's down, you just get zero that year. And then bonds aren't yielding a ton unless you go into the more aggressive version. So that that four and a half five percent might get you a better return than even bonds, and you have principal safety as long as the insurance company. It's it's only backed by the credit quality of the insurance company. So you got to be with a safe insurance company. Um, they're also five years long, Rob. While they don't pay a commission to anybody, the index annuities are typically at least five years long. Where if you pull more than ten percent out a year, you might pay a penalty. Um, but it's a good spot. There's there's two places that the index annuities can work. One is if you 
have safer money that you need. So you have that three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, but you're not retiring for five years. So you're like, well, I want to get better than 1.8% or 1.2% in an ally bank online FDIC insured account because I don't need my safe money for like five years. You can potentially get more in an indexed product like that as long as it's not paying a commission to anybody. Um, the other option is when people know they need to reduce the risk inside, say, a retirement account. They need to peel off some equity exposure, but they don't necessarily want to buy bonds right now. They don't need the income. They don't need the money anytime soon, so they want a little bit more potential. They can also use that for um, a, a place to kind of re- use to rebalance in between stocks and bonds. I want to pull off some money off the table on stocks, but I don't want to be in bonds because it's not paying very much. And if interest rates jump and bonds fall in value, so maybe I'll throw it in a five-year uh, indexed commission-free annuity because I don't, I don't need it right now. Um, so th- that's that's one issue. The other issue again too is just the, on that no-load variable annuity, which is different. So an indexed annuity has principal guarantee by the insurance company. All right. Okay. A variable annuity, you allow yourself to take more risk. Your principal will fluctuate in value, but your income is guaranteed. And for a guarantee, you're paying higher fees. So, again, a decent place for those is if you're 55, 60 years old, you're trying to reduce your equity exposure, but and you're more interested in the income guarantees, you don't care about the principal fluctuation as much, that might be okay for a retirement account. So, you, get, you know, you never want to put more than 20% of your portfolio in, a, in an annuity, and you want to make sure that they're either commission-free or no load. We've got a minute or two left, not much time. Hit real quick a new hybrid insurance product, life insurance. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah. So, the because the long-term care insurance industry has failed so much, the life insurance industries started changing policies and offering policies where you can buy life insurance and while you're alive, you can use the death benefit if you need long-term care, like home health care and things like that. So um, when people are really worried about you know, long-term care issues in the future, but they don't want to throw a bunch of money into a lot. I mean, Rob, people are getting all these rate increases from GE and on their long-term care, and they feel like they're wasting money. So in a, in a hybrid policy, you can actually make sure that somebody gets either the death benefit or you use it while you're alive for long-term care. So there's actually some decent ones out there. And if you put that into an irrevocable life insurance trust, you can save estate taxes. And if it's an indemnity program, you can still use it for long-term care. So a lot of planning opportunities around those policies now. I love that you said planning opportunities, but something I, and just to be honest with you, when you, when you talked about it, I was like, what if a bad insurance salesperson gets advantage, gets this information and starts using some of the things he's saying, like, oh, you can use this hybrid policy and people kind of forget, you know, I'm just really nervous or something along those lines. I've seen them put in place, Rob, where people bought one because they wanted it for long-term care, but they also wanted it out of their estate, but the policy was the wrong type and it didn't even work in that in that type of estate planning program. Um, so yeah, you have to be careful. Have, have a you know, fee-only CFP looking at these issues. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks for joining us. It's CFP Chad Burton. Let me get a good full plug-in. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He will join me from time to time. I will sit in on his show. He does a show in the mornings. Um, he podcast is the greatest way of doing it. Listen to it. KDOW.biz is also streaming it. 
Uh, but you can find that uh, at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Tell friends about it. Um, he sits in as a CFP. He works for newfocusfinancial.com. It's, he owns newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of good informa- information at the website. You can go get some downloadables over the holidays. We both work to refresh those. They look good. They look current. They look like valid data, which you always have to be updating your data in this industry. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.